the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The number six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty. I spent the last hour, the bulk of the last hour, talking a little bit about thoughts, prolepsis thoughts about the State of the Union. Uh, but I also had something that might be one for the ages uh, on some uh, 60s and 70s uh, music with regard to the way uh, the modern uh, feminist and children's movement at the time, the then modern feminist and child's movement, viewed the arrangement of sex and how you should be and gender uh, for children and how you should be proud of who you are and um, not feel that you can or think that you could change it as if it was just so much the difference between wearing a Batman cape or a Superman cape. Uh, sure enough, the left on this very thing, the Virginia House, uh, the Virginia lawmakers today in the state of Virginia approved a bill to ban teachers from hiding a children's transition from their parents. So in Virginia, the Virginia House approved uh, the bill Tuesday reading from Act, uh, the Daily Caller, which would prevent teachers from keeping a child's social transition from their parents. Known as Sage's Law, it is named after a 14-year-old girl who was sef- sex trafficked twice and raped after the state removed her from her parents' custody to protect her from misgendering. In a tearful testimony before the Virginia Education Committee last week, Sage's mother, Michelle, said that while she and her husband were prepared to use Sage's masculine name and pronouns. The school and the state still insisted Sage would be harmed by her parents. And while fighting for custody, Sage was kept in a male children's home where she was repeatedly assaulted. This idea that schools are to overrule parents on these most important of matters is an idea brought to you by the modern-day left and the Democratic Party. By the way, as if you didn't know... But you should know every single Democrat, every single one of them in the Virginia House voted against this bill. Every single one voted against this bill, which would prevent teachers from keeping a child's transition from their parents. Every single one. Every single one. When I say the Democratic Party, I'm not exaggerating. I uh, have a lot more to talk about, but first, always the most important voice is yours. So let's go to Mike in Maricopa. Hello, Mike. Yes, hello, Seth. Uh, that's a downer. I, that's nice to follow up on that uh, bright and cheerful report that you just had. So It's cheerful. It is- it's cheerful in that the state of Virginia is now doing something about it. And, you know, with the election of a Republican governor on the education issue, they are now going to reclaim the natural order of things, which is parents before anyone else when it comes to raising your children. That's the good news. And, you know, clarity. Clarity. Every Democrat voted against it. Clarity. So we have clarity and we have good news. We have a problem and it is being stopped and solved. Good. Well, you know, as you were talking about the songs, let's switch gears drastically here. Sure, sure. 
And, you know, I I called Bill and I had a thought of about it, but it kind of goes in the opposite direction. It wasn't a jingle that became a popular song, but it was a song that became a jingle. And so I discussed it with Bill and he says, well, if you want to try it, so I'll throw this one out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. You had an ancillary All show right. with Bill, it sounds like. Okay. <laughs> you bet. Okay. So uh, there was a group back in, I guess, the 80s. Uh, called The Clash, and they have a song called Should I Stay or Should I Go? Of course, yes, I know it very well. And then it has it, yeah, it speeds up rapid. Yes, I know the song. Mm-hmm. Yep, there you go. So anyway, the uh, they had come out with the song. It never, I don't know how far up charts it went. The band broke up. The singer died. And then around 1990, 1991, Levi Strauss uh, had it for a... Blue Jean commercial. Right, right, right. And the song went to number one. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, uh, yeah, so the thanks Le- thanks to Levi Strauss for reinvigorating the song. But, yeah, that is the standard way. Usually that's the song and then the jingle. Uh, I was pointing out the two exceptions. But there you have the jingle also making the song popular again. I suspect that happens a lot, by the way. I suspect yep. I suspect that happens a lot. You have a classic song or a song that was once classic, little bit forgotten, some company or marketing uh, outfit uh, revives it into a jingle, reminding people of the song, and it probably makes it and gives it a second life. I, I bet that happens more often than we think. Reinvigorates yeah. it. Hey, I got a question sure. for you. Yep. Okay, you know, we, we hear a lot of songs, and most of the time the songs start off with some music, yep. and then the singing starts. Yes, but, yes. Uh, I got a couple of them I'll throw out there. <laughs> Where the lyrics come before the music? Okay. Or uh, simultaneously. Okay, all right, sure. Okay, Janis Joplin's Down On Me. Okay. And The Beatles' Help. Is that right? They both They, they both come right in. They come right in. Yeah, Help. I, yep. I can hear Help. I, I hear it right away. Yes, I know exactly what you're meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And there's a few songs okay. with, uh, with uh, the spoken word before the music kicks in as well. Carry yeah. on, Wayward Son. Yep. Yep, yep. There's a few. Yep. All right. There's a few. Thanks, hey, thanks Mike. Thanks for your time. Yeah, Seth. anytime. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, love, I love culture and anything that uh, sometimes distracts us from uh, our graver business. Uh, usually it ends up not being a distraction and it becomes a unity of all our concerns or a unity of some kind of uh, theme. That's okay. Let me move on. I love it. Yeah, never hesitate. You guys want to have a little fun or do a little trivia or do a little culture? I'm, I'm always up for it. Uh, not by politics alone does man live. In fact, we probably have too much politics. Uh, I've, I've said that for some time. But uh, that is the business we are in, if I can quote another pop culture reference. And so let me just mention that today on the, um, at the House Oversight Committee, uh, we're a uh, major hearing – on uh, on uh, on uh, on immigrate on illegal immigration and on our border, uh, the uh, Ch- Chairman James Comer over at the Oversight Committee had uh, two chief um, two chief uh, enforcement agents testifying on uh, border security. What's interesting to me about it? I don't know how much play it's going to get. I'll tell you how to get it because I think you're going to want to send it around. I might even play a little audio from it to give you a flavor of it. 
But you can go to cspan.org, c-span.org, and get the hearing titled Chief Patrol Agents Testify on Southern Border. They are chief agents um, from Arizona. What's interesting about it is twofold. One, Secretary Mayorkas had previously prevented chief agents from testifying to House oversight. He did not want them testifying in public about the problems on the border. Why? It would undermine his message that the border is secure. It would undermine his message that the border was secure. Finally, they relented. Second, second, the Oversight Committee has a minority of Democrats on it. And they put out a tweet this morning in advance of the hearing. You want me to read you the tweet? Under the name... Oversight Committee Democrats, at Oversight Democrats, if you wish to follow them or check my facts, I will read you the tweet verbatim in Hake Verba. Quote, good morning and good luck to everyone except the GOP oversight members who are using today's hearing to amplify white nationalist conspiracy theories instead of a comprehensive solution to protect our borders and strengthen our immigration system. White nationalist conspiracy theories. I can't can't really speak to the ethnicity of the two chiefs that were testifying on the problems at our border, but I will tell you one of them's name was Gloria Chavez doesn't sound like a white nationalist to me. I'm looking at her. She doesn't look like what you would think a white nationalist is to me. This is the trick of the left. Anything they want to shut down and silence because of regime hierarchy, they just plaster an epithet on to make it beyond the pale. And it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Because I was watching these hearings, these two people are heroes. They are not white nationalists. And when you make of great American heroes who risk their lives every day to keep you safe, and great Americans, nonetheless, who aren't white nationalists. What do you say about the white nationalist when he comes? You have detoxified You have detoxified the poison of white nationalism by so carelessly and indiscriminately throwing it around for political purposes. Shame on you. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. A recession is a drop in income and consumer spending, a rise in unemployment, and increased business failures. Joe Biden won't admit it. He'll, re- But income declined last year because of inflation. Real estate values are dropping. Retailers are declaring bankruptcy. And major companies are laying off people by the thousands. Regardless of what Joe Biden says, it looks like we're in one, and it's going to get worse, which is why I recommend calling veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to safeguard your money with the stability of gold with the only dealer I, Seb Gorka, and thousands of you already use. Gold holds its value when economies fail, guarding against the ravages of inflation and the ruins of recession. Get your hedge against all that by talking with the good folks at Midas Gold Group. They'll answer your questions and help you protect your savings and investments with the security 
of gold. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or better yet, give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. I was talking about this hearing at the House Oversight Committee today, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the illegal immigration and border problem with Jonathan Lines in our third hour. But um, I was looking up the headlines for this hearing. I had already told you how uh, the Democrats had called it a hearing to uh, amplify white nationalist conspiracy theories. You watch this hearing and you tell me if you saw a conspiracy theory. You tell me if you heard a conspiracy theory, a white nationalist conspiracy theory from Border Patrol agent Gloria Chavez, or Chavez. But I was looking up the headlines for it, how it was covered. Kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. Um, One of them, in the major political outlets, newspapers, Politico, has the headline, House GOP leaps headlong into oversight committee hearings at time of devices Mayorkas impeachment call. Divisive Mayorkas impeachment call. Divisive. It's divisive to try and impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. So what does the researcher in me do? Look for headlines about any paper ever or headline ever in 2019 or 2020 to see if any of them called the impeachment of Donald Trump divisive. Guess what we found, Bill? Want to guess? Yeah, zero. Zero. Impeaching the Homeland Security Director for lying to you about the border being secure and not making it secure and presiding over its increased degradation is divisive. Willing to admit that The impeachment of Donald Trump was divisive. Where was that headline? It wasn't there. Again, why? Why? Because of opinion hierarchy. Regime and opinion hierarchy. Which is what we we have talked about before. Where only one opinion can reign. And anything else... Anything else that challenges that opinion or goes against it is beyond the pale. It's beyond the pale. It's white supremacist. And then you can, of course, from there, say anything else that you want. Call it white nationalist, white supremacist. That's what they're calling Dennis Prager. First observant Jew I've ever heard of. Who could be considered that? I guess Dennis Prager is the observant Jewish face of white nationalism, according to the Marxists at ASU who wanted to ban him and call him that. I had a piece I wanted to share with you on regime hierarchy, but uh, I can't find it right now. That's okay. We'll leave it alone. You take the point. You take the point. Anything that challenges what they consider to be the baseline default position of liberal leftism, anything that challenges that is racist, homophobic, Islam, you name it, you name it, anything that challenges it. That's why Ilhan Omar, for example, can get away with speaking 
on the floor of House of Representatives saying that the Republicans don't want a woman of color or a person of color in this country speaking out on foreign policy because they consider her less than American. Tell it to Nikki Haley and Condi Rice. Tell it to Colin Powell. Tell it to a lot of people. Tell it to a lot of people. No, it's not your ethnicity or anything else immutable about you, Ilan Omar, that bothers us. It's your vile views. I have no problem calling them vile. You think ours are vile. Okay, let's hash it out now and stop with the race and name calling and epithets that degrade true racism, true nationalism, that detoxify such important notions as Nazism, as white nationalism. I mean, if... Chief Border Patrol agent Gloria Chavez from Arizona is a white nationalist. Tell me what word you get now to use for David Duke. You're putting her in his club? Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. By the way, I found it interesting. I mentioned it in my monologue, one of my monologues last week after the La Ferre Elan Omar. I mentioned that... Um, if she were right, David Duke would have been supporting her ouster from the House Foreign Relations Committee because he is, among other things, a neo-Nazi and a white nationalist. But guess what? Guess what? He tweeted out support for her. He tweeted out support for Ilan Omar. You know why? Hatred of democracy, hatred of this country, hatred for its founding values, hatred for colorblindness is more uniting of those two than anything else anything else maybe she ought to take a beat and wonder why David Duke is supporting her maybe it's because of what she and he see the same a down market view of America and the importance of skin color maybe she ought to think about that really a very disgusting disgusting display disgusting display want to say something speaking of I think I mentioned uh I'll, uh, I'll name, uh, 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 I'm sorry, Masay the great uh, female human rights activist uh, from Iran who's now living in hiding in America under federal protection because of Iranian agents trying to kill her here for speaking out on behalf of women's rights in Iran. She made the point that she went to Ilan Omar any number of times to help get her say a word and sign on to support for human rights, women's rights in Iran. And Ilan Omar did not, begging the next question, which is, will this great feminist leader Joe Biden tonight say a word on behalf of the women's protest movement in Iran? Bet not. Things could be better, Lloyd. Things could be a whole lot better. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. The value of the hearings that took place on our border uh, problems uh, today at the House Oversight Committee will only have value in this political environment with the Democratic Senate and President if you get their message around. People ask, well, what do you do with these messages? Get them around. Send them to people. How do you get this hearing? C-span.org is how you get it. C-span.org. 
org and look up the hearing chief patrol agents testify on southern border make sure that when you do this you also understand that the democrats on the house oversight committee tweeted this morning that this was a hearing meant to amplify white nationalist conspiracy theories there were two witnesses one of them was Chief Patrol Agent Gloria Chavez from the Rio Grande Valley sector. Sound like a white nationalist to you? You want to hear some of what she said? Yeah, I mean, the value is in these testimonies and getting it around. Here's a little of what she said. I have led in four sectors on the northern and southern borders, and I completed two tours of duty at the U.S. Border Patrol headquarters here in Washington, D.C. The RGV area covers 34,000 square miles of rural and urban landscape, 34,000 counties, 34 counties, I'm sorry, 277 border miles with Mexico and 317 coastal miles along the Gulf. Due to its proximity to the border of southern Mexico and Central America, RGV is identified as a major corridor by cartels and transnational criminal organizations, and it is exploited daily for human smuggling, narcotics trafficking, and other illicit activities. Our RGV community has been at the forefront of irregular migration for several years now, In 2014, the trend was unaccompanied children. In 2016 and 2019, family units. Today, the migrant population in RGV consists of mainly single adults from Central America and Mexico. Although this fiscal year to date, RGV has decreased in migrant encounters by 41%. Border Patrol agents in RGV continue to face the most egregious of illicit trends, such as criminal migrants, gang members, hard narcotics, firearms, bull currency outbound, and illicit drones used for counter-surveillance. Gloria Chavez, white nationalist, according to the Democrats. Shame on them. Shame on them. You can throw, as I said, these epithets around any way you want. I call it regime and opinion hierarchy, along with my friend Ryan Williams. I've did that. I found what I was looking for, the definition of it. It's a version of quad-licit, jovi, non-licit, bovi which William Buckley used to describe as what's permitted for the gods is not permitted to the cows or swine. Republicans can't talk. They can't have their points of view. What the left and Democrats say and do, conservatives and Republicans may not. We may not and would not, for example, sick a lawyer on a Supreme Court nominee and invent rape charges against him to scuttle his reputation and nomination. The left and the Democrats, no problemo. We may not and would not take a rape allegation against a nominee to the Supreme Court and sit on it, hide it, conceal it, only to then publicize and launch it months later at the most convenient political moment to scuttle the nomination. The left of the Democrats, no problemo. We would not attempt to impeach Nancy Pelosi for declaring our presidential election was hijacked and that Donald Trump was an illegitimate president, as she tweeted and stated in 2017 and ever since. If Donald Trump were to have said something similar, he would be subject not only to impeachment, but charged with inciting a riot. Say this say nothing of Hillary Clinton, Jimmy Carter, numerous congressmen and reporter and op-ed journalists saying the same thing. It was disrespectful and racist for Republicans not to unanimously vote to confirm or at least celebrate the nomination of Ketanji Brown-Jackson, as it was disrespectful and conspiracy theory, theorizing, inspired to raise questions of and to her about some of her previous judicial rulings that would raise eyebrows in any normal world. But it was fine and dandy for Ted Kennedy and Joe Biden 
to raise all those kinds of similar issues, plus invented sexual allegations against Clarence Thomas because he was a conservative. Amy Coney Barrett gets nominated to the Supreme Court, and Professor Ibram Kendi can write about her and her adopted Haitian children. Quote, some white colonizers adopt black children to civilize these savage children in their superior ways of white people while using them as props in their pictures of denial while cutting the biological parents of these children out of the picture of humanity. Close quote. That professor gets book publication deals galore, including children's book, a speaker's bureau, and several Netflix contracts to advise and portray his point of view. The president of branding for Levi Strauss tries to get the company to support opening schools for all children after the research showed children were not at risk and not substantial spreaders of COVID and is forced to resign and condemned as a racist to justify the resignation. That's how it works, folks. We have to be cleansed of the field and any safe harbor of a nasty epithet will do. The great political uh, philosopher Hadley Arcus, uh, emeritus now at Amherst, runs the James Wilson Institute. He's giving testimony once in a sp- – well, it was a speech actually. Sorry, it was a speech I was present uh, for once. I used to do a lot of work with him. I was at a speech of his at the Federalist Society. He was making the point – he always, always intertwined humor into his very intricate um, thoughts and speeches. And he was all, he was talking about how comedians, the good ones, people with humor – People with good senses of humor understand deep philosophical truths, which is probably why Dennis Prager has identified Adam Carolla, his friend, as someone who sees human nature probably better than anyone else he's met. I think Dennis has said that any number of times. And on that, Seth Dillon, it's a name uh, you may not know. He is one of the people in charge, founders and president of the satirical website, The Babylon Bee. Many of you know of it, the Babylon Bee. Seth Dillon did a recent Prager U. It's so good on everything we've just been discussing. Oh, you have it? I, you want me to do it or you want to do it? You want Which one? I don't care. All right. Run it. Bad ideas are everywhere, spreading like viruses, infecting every area of our lives, and driving millions of otherwise rational people to embrace the irrational. Here's one obvious example. It illustrates a broader point I want to make about, of all things, the moral importance of mockery. Ready for this? We're told by so-called experts with straight faces that men can become women, and women can become men. We're told that sex is assigned at birth rather than observed, as if doctors just make their best guess whenever they see a newborn baby. We're told men can become pregnant and chest feed. These aren't fringe ideas promoted by radicals on Reddit. They're mainstream endorsed by once-respected medical organizations, highly educated doctors, and popular internet wellness sites. And your Go to Healthline.com and type in, Can Men Get Pregnant? You'll find this answer. Yes, it's possible for men to become pregnant and give birth to children of their own. In order to explain, we'll need to break down some common misconceptions about how we understand the term man. So the people who just told us men can get pregnant are going to clear up misconceptions for us? I don't think so. It would be bad enough if these ideas were merely popular, 
but they've quickly gone from mainstream to mandatory. You can't criticize them. You can't even joke about them. Comedians risk being canceled, and in some cases physically attacked for doing so. In a twisted way, this all kind of makes sense. In order to prop up an insane worldview that can't be defended, or even coherently articulated, you have to insulate it from criticism, especially the comedic kind that employs mockery to expose foolishness. It's embarrassing to be exposed as a fool, so it can't be tolerated. My team at the Babylon Bee learned this the hard way when we made a joke about Rachel Levine, a transgender health admiral in the Biden administration. USA Today had named Rachel Levine one of their Women of the Year. They were serious. But Rachel Levine is no more a woman than I am. So we fired back with this satirical headline. The Babylon Bee's Man of the Year is Rachel Levine. The mockery, of course, was of USA Today, not the Admiral. Twitter, pre-Elon, was not amused. They locked our account for hateful conduct. Delete the joke, they said, and you can have your account back. We refused. The intolerable truth you're not allowed to speak is that Rachel Levine actually misgenders himself whenever he calls himself a woman. And pointing that out, no matter how it's done, is not hateful conduct because the truth is not hate speech. But this is how the system is rigged to safeguard bad ideas. The leftists who dominate our media and culture are armed with both a sword and a shield. They can call anyone who differs with them a bigot, a transphobe, a Nazi. doesn't matter. They know they'll never get banned. That's the sword. But if you joke about the left's lunacy, you'll be suspended or even banned for hateful conduct. That's the shield. So how did we get to the point where it's considered hateful to tell the truth, even in jest? The answer is simple. We took bad ideas too seriously. Instead of laughing at absurd notions like men can get pregnant, or the planet will burn up in 10 years if we don't ban fossil fuels, or that morbid obesity is healthy, to name just a few, we tolerated them. The absurd has become sacred because it hasn't been sufficiently mocked. But isn't mockery mean and cruel? Well, that depends. We're not talking about mockery for the purpose of putting people down and making them feel bad. We're talking about using it as a tool to expose foolishness for what it is, so that it isn't taken seriously. Mockery of this kind is not only cleansing, it's a moral imperative. Why? Because bad ideas can have catastrophic consequences. Ask any mutilated teen who now regrets having gender transition surgery, or any married couple who didn't have children because of climate change, or any obese person who now has diabetes because being overweight is supposed to be okay. Imagine if the ideas that produced these results had been laughed at instead of lauded. So many things are off-limits in comedy and culture now, and too many people think this represents progress. They think we've improved morally because we make fun of fewer things. The truth is we're more confused than ever because we've affirmed and accepted what should have been ridiculed and rejected. If our goal is moral improvement, we need more mockery, not less. I'm Seth Dillon, CEO of the Babylon Bee for Prager University. That's a pretty good illustration of uh, regime hierarchy. That's a pretty good illustration of regime and opinion hierarchy. Donald Trump gets banned and censored from Twitter. Ibrahim Kendi quoted above. Louis Farrakhan, the mullahs of Iran, are not. Both refer to America as Satan and wish Israel to be wa wiped off the map. Homosexuals as well. 
Riots over three months that lead to billions of dollars of damage, firebombings of courthouses, takeovers of police precincts, the loss of 30 lives and over 14,000 arrests are mostly peaceful and will get U.S. senators, candidates for vice president seeking donations to bail them out. An anarchist mob of several hundred caused no loss of life, but one of their own shot in the back that lasts for seven hours and they are tied to the entirety of the Republican Party as anti-democratic insurrectionists. We can play the game for hours. You get it. Donald Trump was the orange man. No one would say a word about Jen Psaki's hair color, which wasn't even a tertiary color. Ronald Reagan was a bigot. Al Sharpton is a civil rights leader. Ron DeSantis wants to keep schools out of the business of training five-year-olds to think of themselves as sex objects. Disney, a children's entertainment company, attacks Ron DeSantis and announces it will deliberately portray children's characters that way. DeSantis is the bigot. Disney is the enlightened. Have you seen what Disney has done lately? Have you seen their latest critical race theory production? Abraham Lincoln didn't free the slaves. Slaves built the entire nation. Slaves are entitled to reparations. It's really quite something. Do you know what they're... By the way, justification, the next sentence after Abraham Lincoln didn't free the slaves was their next sentence. We were human. You can't free a human. Really? Really? Well, then maybe you can't enslave one. And then there was no slavery in the first. It's idiotic. It's idiotic. Open question as to uh, whether Joe Biden will say much about COVID tonight, if anything. The implications of everything we're learning are just rapidly marching against his administration and its worldview and everything they've said. John Hinderock over at Powerline says government's response to the COVID epidemic represent the worst public policy disaster of our time. They were an economic, social, health and educational fiasco. Might have been possible to devise worse policies than the shutdowns that upended America, but it wouldn't have been easy. New research out of USC, University of Southern California, has tried to put a price tag on the COVID shutdowns. Quoting from the USC study, U.S. GDP fell during the pandemic due to COVID-19 lockdowns and resulted in trillions of dollars in losses in the past several years, a consequence mainly driven by mandatory business closure policies. By the end of 2022, the pandemic had cut $12.2 trillion from U.S. GDP. Expected losses are are, total losses are expected to hit $14 trillion by the end of this year. Quote, I'm still amazed at how powerful a negative impact COVID is projected to have on the U.S. economy compared to previous man-made and natural disasters, said study co-author Adam Rose, a research professor at the USC Price School and senior research fellow at USC Center for Risk and Economic Analysis of Threats and Emergencies. COVID's impact on GDP is estimated to be nearly 100 times more than the previous largest largest disaster of the 21st century, the September 11, 2001 World Trade Center attacks, he said. Hinderocker 
editorializes, what we did to ourselves, mostly at the behest of the Democratic Party, was vastly worse than what any terrorists could do. This is key. Quote, the study blamed three factors for America's economic decline during the pandemic, deaths and illnesses, mandatory business closures, and voluntary avoidance of activities that stimulate the economy but prevent infection. Of these three, the study found mandatory business closures had the greatest impact on the U.S. economy. Yep, that's certainly one of them. The social destruction is another. How many of you saw the headline out of Healthline, quote, how the pandemic made the mental health crisis worse for teens? Depressive and anxiety symptoms in youth doubled during the pandemic, with 25% experiencing depressive symptoms and 20% experiencing anxiety symptoms. Data from 2021 shows that emergency room visits in the U.S. for suspected suicide attempts were 51% higher for girls, 4% higher for boys, compared to to the same time period the previous year. How many of you saw the article January 13th of this year headlined, Mental Health and Substance Use Disorders Rose Among Youth During Height of COVID Pandemic? One COVID that raised them. It's the policies. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.